Welcome to the Bully to Blossoming podcast, hosted by Marlena Gordon and Jesse Wallace, two girls who endured and then blossomed from their own bullying experiences. We aim to spread hope and healing through the sharing of revival stories. Here in this safe space, we have real conversations with those who have not only journeyed through traumas of their own, but have triumphed against the odds. These stories prove that no matter one's struggle, things not only get better, but they blossom. Courtney Pegram on the podcast. Courtney is the founder of Bulldog Solution, which provides assemblies, professional development training, student programs, and parent workshops uh, to schools around the nation. They focus on bullying, cyberbullying, social emotional learning, internet and digital safety, and kindness and compassion. And by the way, guys, just to let you know, uh, we sincerely apologize in advance. Um, we're still getting our sea legs with this whole podcasting thing. And after we conducted the interview, we went back and listened to the audio and realized it's not the best. Um, you can still hear everything just fine. I hope it's not too distracting. Just bear, please bear with us. Um, it really is worth the listen. There are so many little gems in this episode and we promise that we are working to improve our podcasting savvy and we will have better audio for you in the future. Thank you so much. Congratulations, that's great. Thank you, it's amazing. So I'm extremely passionate about what I do. I love working with teachers, principals, and especially students. Um, we do a lot of assemblies, though, which um, sometimes people say, like, you know, they're not effective, but we make ours so interactive and teachers participate. That yeah. It becomes the beginning of a conversation. I, I can personally say I've watched some of your, like, some of the videos on your website and the assemblies, and the thing that stands out most to me is that they are so interactive, because I know when I was in school, I mean, and you do high schools, correct? So, high school and middle school. Oh, and middle school, too. So, because when I think back to high school and middle school, I can't remember ever having, even an assembly, just like where I'm being lectured to about bullying, let alone something that's actually interactive and makes a real impression on the kids and I really feel as though things would have been a lot different for me with my bullying situation had we all as a school had the chance to participate in something like Bulldog Solution Assemblies. They really, it seems as though they really, the fact that they're so engaging makes a huge impact. Yeah, well the reason that makes the impact is we don't do the talking come up and they right. share right. about their experience, their stories, and it, it's like to hear your peers speak yeah. out and stand up is such a powerful experience. That's so yeah, cool. I, I yeah, saw I remember when I was in high school, we never talked about it. Like the teachers didn't want to talk about it. The mm-hmm. kids didn't want to talk about it. But to have like a safe place like with your peers, I think is like so powerful. It really is. Yeah. And to hear... 
there's something so different. Like when I was going through my bullying experience, Jess, I'm sure you can say the same. I mean, I never, once I had the falling out with my friends, there was never really a conversation where we were all sitting in a circle, like your peace circles, which I read about on your site, which you can talk, I'll let you talk more about too. Um, But there was never an opportunity to just sit there and really in a safe environment, talk about what had happened, like really to cultivate empathy and compassion from my bullies, for my bullies to say to me that I had done to hurt them, which had, you know, really instigated a lot of the bullying to begin with. And had there been this opportunity, I think things would have been a lot different. So, I mean, I'll let you talk about the peace circles a little bit. Right. So, um, we set up, so peace circles, like, there's, there's been a big buzz about restorative justice and mm-hmm. restorative practices, right. which is the stem of peace circles. And it was really funny. We've been doing this for 10 years and we were doing peace circles way before they were a thing. Right. Um, but the reason they're powerful is when you can build a trusting environment and sit everyone down where there's no computer, no phone, you're just sitting, you know, in front of everybody in a circle, it opens the space of being vulnerable. Definitely. And you can't hide behind your words anymore. You're just, your words are your power, and everyone has equal amount of power in the circle. So it creates this um, opportunity to share, to be empathetic, but also to listen to each other and really hear where people are coming from. I love that. I love, because I couldn't imagine ever being mean to somebody who had sat across from and like expressed these deep vulnerabilities with and seen the pain in their face and gotten to know them on a human level. I think that's so powerful. That I think it's cool too, because it's like you get a point of view from someone that could be perceived as a bully. Right. You can really hear where they're coming from and it just kind of opens up perspective. Yeah. That's so powerful. And I know that you, uh, Dr. Pegram, have a special place in your heart for bullies, actually, and which I think is really beautiful, too, because oftentimes the people who are, quote-unquote, the bully are actually people who have endured a lot of bullying themselves, whether it be self-inflicted or from problems at home or, or in school as well. And then they kind of take that aggression and displace it and put it onto somebody else, understandably so, because they have so much pain that they want to get out. So can you tell us a little bit about that and what really got you interested in that side of it too? Um, so for me, I always uh, share with parents and teachers, like no one is born mean, no one is born to bully. It's a yeah. learned behavior. Right. And in pain, we need to lash out and let the pain out so that we can start the process of healing. Sometimes we don't know how to heal, so all we can do is lash out. So for any child, any adult that I've met up to this day, they're always in pain. Yeah. And that's why they're hurting others. It's never been a situation where, hey, my life is fantastic, I'm doing great, and I'm just going to go and make your life miserable. No. It's so so true. um, So it's changing perceptions. And, you know, if we just, I mean, by by punishing people for harming others, we're not getting to the root cause for them not to do it again. They just either get smarter or they stop doing it to that person. Right, right. No, it's true. I mean, again, I can speak personally. When I was going through it, I was going through 
people responded. The only way in which anyone ever responded to my bullies was very um, aggressively, like, hey, keep this up and you're expelled. Bye. And had they been approached differently, I'm sure, granted, a lot of that was my fault. I didn't want, um, I was too scared to have teachers approach them. I didn't want to stir the pot. But had I been okay with that and had they, you know, had my consent to approach them in a different, softer way, it probably would have made a much bigger impact than just, you know, this really um, harsh method of you're bad, get out of here. And that was definitely more so the approach that I saw being taken when people did kind of bypass my wishes and did go to them and say, hey, enough. And it was actually possibly counterproductive, like you're saying. And then I remember we had talked about them on the defense. Right, exactly, exactly. And then they feel as though they have justification to lash out even more at the person who they perceive as having put them through this, which is the victim, so to speak. And then I remember Dr. Pegram and I had had a phone call prior a few months ago, and I remember you had said something about a particular um, case that had really perked your interest in... I think this particular side of it, the, you know, the mental health of the bully themselves and that kind of inspired you uh, to start along this whole journey. The, the person who was the one who had been bullied committed suicide. And then the people who the public had, oh, yeah. yeah, does that ring a bell? Okay. Yeah, yeah, that rings a bell. So yeah, so that was the initial, uh, so the peak in the 12, I think it was almost 12, 11 years ago, I think, um, there was a, um, uh, it's CB, I think it's CB, her name was CB, she was from Boston, she had committed suicide and the media had linked it to bullying. And I started to wonder, like, you know, first of all, it is horrific what happened to her. Right. I mean, my heart still goes out to her parents. Yeah. And there's something in my heart, like for me, in my heart was like, well, something's not just right. Like, right, there has to be more to this than just, so the children all got penalized to an extent that was ridiculous. They got shunned by media. They were exposed. They, and um, their lives were ruined, which yeah. I completely, like, you know, when you see both sides, you're like, yes, yeah. but nothing good, nothing good came of it, Right. And to come to find out, as you dig deeper into the situation, there was a lot more to the story, right? Of course. But because, as outsiders on social media, we just see one side and we have our own opinion or our judgment and we jump to that, you know, we cause often more damage than solution. Yeah. Um, no. And it, it really impedes that person's ability to reform and to grow, to rise above it. And I... Right. It really just it holds them down, suppresses them, and if anything, I would think makes them possibly lash out even more sometimes because they've never had. They really it was un, they were unjustly accused of something that. Look, it's not to say that what they did wasn't really hurtful and that it can didn't contribute, but we are all just kids. Like when this goes on, and I know, and I. I did. I think I said this to you when we had our phone call that my own bullying experience, my friends who became my bullies bullied me because of something I had done to them. Like I had instigate. It's not to say that in any way I deserved the like 
you know, ferocity with which they came at me and did everything. But there were two sides of the story. It wasn't just them. And so if someone were to look at my story and I left that part out, they would just think like, oh my God, these horrible people, when really there was more to it. And again, that's not always the case, but I attribute that to, I was 15 years old and I'm a completely different person now than I was then. And I would never want to be held accountable or thought of as unchanged from when I was 15 and now I'm 30, you know? And so I imagine that these, I I don't know how old they are now, but these people, maybe now adults, are still dealing with this reputation that was put on them at a time when they were teenagers. And that's very, sadly, it's very normal at school. Again, not excusable, but there's just, there's more to it. There's a lot that doesn't happen that needs to happen on a school level to ensure that the bullies understand the neurobiological harm that they're causing in addition to everything else, the emotional harm. And I also saw that you had, uh, I wasn't quite sure from the video I watched, but that you were at the forefront of getting a law instated in Chicago is for teachers to have access to social media of... So I was an advocate that, um, so that principals and schools could access the social media accounts of the children cool. so that they could deal with um, instances in-house. And here's the main argument. So it's called social media. It's not private media, it's right. social. So if a child is getting terrorized online, I think principals have the right to have access to it to deal with it. And the fact that sometimes parents refuse for that, it causes situations to escalate. And I think a child, especially a child in middle school, right, yeah. does not have the right to have that privacy, especially if they're terrorizing other people because... With the rate of suicide ideation, suicide attempts, and self-harm, we can't turn a blind eye and be like, well, you know what? They need their privacy. No. No, (laughs) No, absolutely not. (laughs) Because you really, God, just thinking back to what, to my mindset and who I was and the chat rooms we'd go into and all that stuff that we did in middle school, like, we didn't know what the hell we were doing. And the true harm that we could have caused just by like going into chat rooms and talking to these people like let alone like going out there and saying these horrible things to people like bullying mm-hmm. so they I well, it's crazy because like me Marlena you and I are about the same age mm-hmm. and like Facebook and Instagram and there's so many platforms that weren't around when we were in high school and middle school and it scares me for my own children mm-hmm. um, because I don't even know how to navigate some of it and you know you hear these stories and because like that wasn't really a huge issue I don't know about for you Marlena but it wasn't really a huge issue the social media bullying it wasn't Um, that much it was kind of just I I think it was like a it was just kind of exactly exactly I so there was like minute ways in which it affected me but for the most part no and I really can't imagine what it will be like for Dr. Pegram just has two kids, uh, has two little boys. And so for them, I don't know what the landscape will look like. And so it is scary to think about. Um, I, I don't know, because in ways, like 
it does seem like we're making progress, like with the law that yeah. you're talking about. Like, and it's like, great. Mm-hmm. Like, it's being acknowledged. There's not as much of a bureaucratic, like, barrier when it comes to that. But then in other ways, it's like, oh my God, how do you shield them though when it's everywhere? Like, even right. though people are seemingly more committed, it's like it, the opportunities are just ubiquitous, they're, they're everywhere. My six year old son, the stuff, you know, I don't let him on my phone anymore, but like when I used to just like let him play on YouTube, I just couldn't believe the stuff that like he can access. Someone who can't read or write. <laughs> and it's, I don't know, it's terrifying for me as a mother. Um, but I had a question for you. Um, I saw on the website that you have groups that focus on moms too. Uh-huh. Uh, can you tell yeah. us a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, I used to do like um, parent workshops with uh-huh. schools, and every time I did one, parents don't show up because one, first of all, you're super busy. I'm a parent too. You're super busy. The last thing you want to do is go to school at six o'clock and listen to a bully teacher talk about what not to do. Right. Um, two is sometimes like, you know, with everything going on, unless the problem is escalated, you don't necessarily seek help. Right. Um, and three, sometimes with a group of people from school, right, other moms, there's there's more room for judgment, I would say. And, you know, there's a lot of still mom shaming and, you know, parent judgment. So a lot of parents don't bring up stuff that's going on. Right. Sure. So we implemented these coaching groups of moms. We create a safe place, and even dads too, but mostly mothers come to me. And we have, like, hour-long sessions, and, like, it's really, like, I coach them on how to actively listen, how to communicate, what to watch out for, signs that, you know, things are going, like, you know, signs of emotional distress. You know, also emotional management. So children have really big emotions, especially at six. Um, and they feel everything. And then you're like, what is going on? <laughs> like, so it's really learning how to navigate those emotions to get them to problem solve for themselves. Okay. Because what's happening in our world right now is with if you have two parents working, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, with technology, often the children, you know, which I am too, like my, my daughter has access to an iPad. Mm-hmm. Um, we, they spend a lot of time online, right? And you don't, right. like you said, they don't, you don't know what they're doing, you don't know who they're interacting with. They don't know what they're up. doing half the time. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> <laughs> so, and they pick up these habits, like, right? They pick up these ideas of what they're watching and we're not paying attention, right? So, it, sometimes, if we keep doing that over a period of time, we're disconnecting from our children, right? And then there's this new thing that I've seen in the past five years come up, and I've talked to a lot of my friends that are in the field of middle school kids are absolutely stressed out, anxious. They, they have all these challenges, right? And it mm-hmm. comes back to parents. Parents are putting so much pressure to succeed that children are feeling no longer like they have unconditional love. Oh, God. That's heartbreaking. And, they're, and when you think about kids at that age, their cognitive development, what happens is they don't understand, right? They can't, and they don't see past tomorrow. So they go and they have, like, you know, they have thoughts of suicide and they act on them. And you're like, what happened? I didn't see this coming. No, because no one saw this coming because it's been years of built up and they just needed a release. Yeah. No, I mean, like, 
that's so interesting that you say that because one of the things that my son says when he gets frustrated that I get upset with him is um, he says, I don't belong in this family. <gasps> like, that oh, is his go-to. And, you know, I, you know, we say, oh, well, he's being dramatic, but that's how he feels but... in that moment when I'm upset with him or when my husband is upset with him. That's what he says. Like, I don't belong in this family. I need a new family. I don't belong in this household. Oh. And so I can totally relate. And he's six, you know? Right. And so I can totally relate with what you're saying because, like, for us, as a mom... I'm just like, okay, Nolan, you know, it's fine. Just please clean your room next time. Like, you belong in the family. But for him, it's the end of the world five times a day. Oh. Or how many, you know, whatever. Because that's his whole right. world. Because yeah. you're his whole world at six yeah. years old. And for middle schoolers, their whole world is middle school. Like, they mm-hmm. spend all their time there. So then when things go awry there and they're awry at home, that's like a perfect right. storm. That's the perfect storm. And so I think that's also why bullying is so, I mean, now it's like you can be bullied at home as well, but I think that's why school in school bullying is so particularly painful as well, because it is their whole identity when you're in middle school and high school. And, and like I was saying with Nolan, like being so young, like right now that's you and that's home. And so he, that's so sad to hear that he feels that way. But I get, I get it. I yeah, I, and I don't think you know. Obviously, like we make up, we kiss, we we snuggle. Yeah. But it's just right. interesting that you said that because I can totally see that. Like in my life, when he gets upset, it's, it is. It's the end of the world. It's and you know, right. He, and that's I picked it up from YouTubers. Yeah, I mean, I've heard that before, right? Yeah. So, so he probably heard it from a show he watched where someone said that. When they didn't get what they want, he's like, oh, so if I say that, right, not understand, it is true, he, the emotion is right, he does feel that, but he learned the words from what he watched because with YouTube, it is really hard to filter the shows oh. as parents. Oh, yeah, I mean, we, um, so I volunteer at an animal shelter, um, and, you know, I would let him have my phone while I'm cleaning the kennels or playing with the dogs, or, and he would help with me, but it would just be easier to be like, here, but, like, watch this we'll be gone in a couple minutes, go play with the dogs for a little bit, watch my phone. And there was um, a time where he was like kind of hiding the phone from me. And these YouTubers disguise like videos that are supposedly like, they look like they're geared towards kids. They're really, really inappropriate. Um, And it was cartoons, but they were doing super inappropriate things. So then he called, he was really into Sonic the Hedgehog. And he calls it bathroom sonic, so you can kind of oh. <laughs> figure out what they were doing. Whoa. But it, it, that's when I was like, oh, my gosh, because I, I didn't know. I mean, I'm right. guilty of, like, you know, letting my kid play with my phone or whatever when I need five minutes. But that's when I was kind of like, oh, man, like, this is intense. Like, I need to really watch what he's watching kind of figure it out because there's a lot of hidden agendas on there. I mean, it's the Internet. Mm. Yeah, wow. So that's just that we're all guilty of it. It's not like I talk to a, I'm guilty of it, right? Yeah. Like we, we are experiencing this with our children. Yeah. We don't understand it, and they don't understand it. So it's like we're going to all make mistakes. Right, because yeah. this is not something I did when I was younger, or even, you know, when I was a child. So it's just kind of like that's what the kids that are in school are into. That's what, you know, he likes Minecraft, so he wants to watch Minecraft videos or, you know, whatever. Um, so yeah, it's like I, I feel like every day I'm now 
navigating a new thing, especially because he started school last year and, you know, he's coming home and asking all these questions and it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy. I'm guessing, I'm guessing Nolan's still like, still too young, but like, has he experienced any or he or any of his classmates experienced anything that you've like, anything like, yeah, I guess like the little like. Like seeds not, of bullying. Not really. Um, I know that one of our neighbors has, but he's um, the school we go to is so we live in a very rural area, and so it's really he doesn't. I don't think he has really experienced it. Um, right. Just because he is so social. Right. So he's able to make friends really easily, which is great. Um, but I, you know, because we're a military family, it, one of the things I get nervous about is we're moving in a year. So I worry about it because he's gotten so used to, like, you yeah. know, yeah. friends. So. Wow. Yeah. That's but so it started cool. young as at six. My daughter in school, I had to go into her classroom and address teasing because they don't understand where the line is. So yeah. they're crossing the line and hurting each other's feelings. Yeah. yeah. So it, it is normal. Like, I had to go into a group, and I wasn't super excited about it because it was so young. But right. Wow, that's so. What were the results from that one with that particular age group? Did you find that they really responded to it, or like how how did it go? What was the outcome? So it was really good. So we offer English and Spanish. So oh, we have the English great. and Spanish. Yeah. Um, so it creates like that, like almost culture fluidity, where we're bringing like you know uh, different languages to the table and stuff. We use a lot of. We have our own cards. They're emotion cards. Yeah, and I saw those. On them with pictures. Yeah. I love those. So we use a lot of that. And we talked about when you start that young, it's really about friendship. What yeah. is a good friend and mm-hmm. what is a bad friend? Right. And I know some people go back, like, not talking about bad, but you have to define with children clearly, like, right. someone that hurts you is not a good friend. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. With kids that young, you have to kind of be a little more black and white. Like, they... They don't have the yeah. ability at that age to think as abstractly. Like, so, I think... Or to have, like, the discernment, you know, to, like... Yeah. Pick up on cues and little things. And that kind of... So, we have... My son is one of the youngest kids, like, on the street, and it's, like, a street full of boys. And um, I guess he tries to keep up, and they wrestle a lot, and he actually ended up getting a concussion because he was, like, trying to keep up with, like, a nine-year-old. Oh, my God. Um, and he, like, slammed him to the ground. And... Um, you know, he was really hurt in that moment, but it's, like, one of those things, I don't think he understood that, like, he was a younger kid, and, like, he doesn't have to be this, like, aggressive boy. Right. 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 Wow. He's just, he's just following everyone else, and that's what you yeah. do. Oh, you follow your peers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, also, I want to say about, like, younger, like, early elementary, it's really important for teachers and parents to teach children about emotions. Yeah. And, like, give them strategies. So in our program, we talked about, you know, we had them, kids love to role play. We had them role play, like, hey, you'd be like, imagine you're on a playground, and you want to have a new friend. What do you do? And it was, like, silly games we did. So then they <laughs> go up to people and be like, hey, do you want to be my friend? And, like, the game was, there's no room for no. So I would be like, yes, Aww. I want to be your friend. <laughs> um, I love that. So these positive games are really important at a young age. So yeah. kids don't know how to be kind. They need to be taught about kindness, too. So teaching them about kindness is, is important as telling them not to be mean. They need something. Okay, so if I can't be mean, then what can I be? What can I say? Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and then so 
have you, what are the big differences, if any, that you've noticed, like, in your assemblies with middle schoolers versus high schoolers? Like, is there, are there some common themes with, like, both the different age groups? Or, like, what would you say? Like, how does it land with high schoolers versus how does it land with middle schoolers? Or what things are you hearing a lot from middle schoolers that you're not from high schoolers and vice versa? Um, from middle schoolers, the, there's a higher rate of suicide ideation. In middle schoolers? Um, harmful thoughts. Yeah, middle school. Wow. Um, sexting and um, I would say like friendship drama that leads to like, you know, depression, anxiety, mm-hmm. um, threats of isolation. So that happens in middle school. So middle school's really wow. rough. It's really, really hard. I always tell my kids when I work with middle school kids, all you need to do is survive. You survive, yeah. you win a life. Just get through middle school. Yeah. Um, and there's so much like biologically going on as well like that kind of evens out maybe a little bit in high school for most kids yeah so it starts to even out in high school in high school also you get to kind of reinvent yourself yeah right hopefully if you move from schools but you get to be find what really interests you who you are as a person and you start to explore that you also start to better understand because your brain's developing you're learning you know, you have abilities to problem solve a little deeper and better understand, like, because you're growing, like, things that happen to you don't necessarily always define you. Right. Um, you make different friends, right? Mm-hmm. You might go to a school that's totally different and you feel supported. You might finally feel like you fit in. And these are all, like, this could all be different, right, depending on the child. Right. But generally high school there's less levels of drama there's still some drama but Mm -hmm. less levels of drama um the stress has subsided a little because they've made into high school and you know thinking about college you know the stress then goes back up but then at that point they've been through it before Mm -hmm. so right I um, think I think I would just assume that in middle school you're less uh inclined to know that things really get better whereas in high school maybe you've (laughs) Uh, overcome some adversity at di- like with different things whether it be bullying or something else and so you have more of these like models to refer back to like hey I was feeling really low then and I got better and so in high school at least you have that like knowledge uh, most people at, at least I would think like have like experienced some adverse situations prior whereas in middle school that's all kind of novel and it's all so much more dramatic because of like everything physiologically going on in addition to whatever else is going on. So right. that probably, yeah, I bet that plays into you it. You have emotional stress. Mm-hmm. You have physical stress. Like your body's growing so fast you can't even keep up. Right. You have social stress and then you have academic stress. And oh my God, yeah. School. Yeah. So it's just an eruption. It's like, and also there's you know, such a. No, there's just such a big difference also when when you go from middle school to high school, like you've already done the like switching periods thing, like uh, class to class, whereas when you're going from elementary school to middle school, that's completely different. Like that's a whole new world and that's a whole other, like that's all kinds of additional stress as well because it's just scary. It's completely, it's completely foreign and alien-like. I remember feeling that way in middle school. And right, that's, that's a great word, alien. Yeah, yeah, it really does. And you lose 
I, this at least happened in my middle school. I don't know if this is common, but there were a bunch of elementary schools and then all the elementary schools came together for middle school. So there were like a hundred million like new people and new faces and new mean people, like people, new people to make fun of you, like who haven't gotten used to your quirks, who haven't like known, like, I I don't just things that maybe like, you know, I can remember, remember things that I was like teased about in like kindergarten or first grade, but then people grew up with me through fifth grade. And then when I got to middle school, it was like, oh, but these people don't know about that stuff that everyone else adjusted to. So now it's like a reintroduction into the teasing with these new this new audience. So that's really interesting. I actually thought you were going to say that high school, was, I thought you were going to say the other way around, but thinking about it and teasing it out more, it's so apparent why actually middle school seems. Well, and I feel like, you know, as I remember how it was like in middle school, and it wasn't that I was necessarily mean to my peers, but I was just mean in general because I didn't know how to direct my energy. Right. You know, it, like hormones or whatever, I was figuring out who I was and it wasn't necessarily consistent. Yeah. No, there's an emotional monster. It's no idea what's going on with you. Yeah. Absolutely. For sure. I love the emotional monsters. <laughs> oh my god! Is that actually what your logo is? I just th- I just thought about that. Not the, the not the bulldog. Have, yeah, but we have the mo- yeah we have a monster. The yeah. little monsters. That's the so Worcester cute. Monster. I know. That's, what we say. <laughs> that's awesome. I never put two and two together. That that's what it was. That's so cute. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Wow. We all are. Yeah. It's so yeah. true. That's, that's <laughs> So you're like you're never alone. That's mm-hmm. one thing that we teach the children. You're never alone. Yeah. Never. Um, it's true. And secondly, if you don't take a risk and open up, you'll never find what you're looking for. Absolutely. We all okay. we all mess up. We all have those like crappy learning experiences. We've all felt that low. Like there are the one beautiful thing about social media that I actually I wish I had had or I wish I had the courage to go out and find when I was going through all my my stuff was there is so much community available now there that and the intimidation isn't there as much because you're not necessarily it's like it's a double-edged sword because this is also the dangerous part of it but that you don't necessarily have to go and interact with these people you're just kind of like going somewhere and talking and venting to strangers who become friends and that is the one, like, social media really is so wonderful in that regard. It's such a beautiful and terrifying thing all at the same time, depending on the situation, the person, how you look at it, how you use it. And so I think that both of us, you with Bulldog Solution and us with Bully to Blossoming, are trying to use it for good to show, like, hey, we're here. Like, we might not know you personally. We might not be right there, but we are there, like, with you in our hearts. And you actually do go to give these talks, which is amazing. And maybe one day, maybe one day we'll do something in person, too. But we're, like, we're so new with everything that that's a long way away. But I <laughs> – so do you have any, like, do you have any particular, like, at Bullies of Blossoming, our whole, like, 
we our big thing is looking at triumph stories and stories of like people who have risen above a really traumatic situation. Have you in your work seen any particular stories that have really touched you? Like seen any really amazing triumph stories that either unfold right there in the auditorium or that you've heard about after you've been so, been somewhere to give a talk? Like have you heard uh, yeah. So every year and I, so it's really hard. So the work that we do is amazing, right? But yeah. sometimes, you know, running a business is really difficult. Of course. Um, because this is a business, right? So yeah. we need to uh, keep a step. So sometimes the business side really takes a toll on me. Yeah, and, I got um, Every year when it, there's always a moment or uh, that I really am like, what am I doing? Like, you know, I mean, the, the work is hard, right? Yeah. And you just sometimes feel so depleted. And every time I hit that wall, where I'm like looking to your universe, I'm looking right. to God, I'm looking to some higher power, like what am I doing? Right. Why? I literally <laughs> get an email, oh. a text, or a letter that will bring you to tears. Oh, that's so great. Like we've saved their lives. Oh my God. I love and that. It's like the universe, like sign right. seal delivered like hey you want to know this is <laughs> here you go here's your answer that's here's my answer so every year so i've been doing this every year last year was a really hard year for us because there was cutbacks with one school <sighs> lost a big contract and i was really beside myself because i was like i don't know if i can continue doing this right, right, right. you know and i didn't want to give up and um i got this email and and they always say this. I don't know if you still check this email, um, but I just wanted to tell you where I'm at right now. <sighs> I'm a junior in high school. This is a middle school kid I work with. I'm a mm-hmm. junior in high school. I really took an interest in social work. My brother and I are doing really well. And then she moves on and says, if I want to work with you and you want to took me out of that dark place, I don't think I'd be here today. Oh, my God. That's amazing that's just like the best remedy for burnout and for you know like can I keep doing this do I have it in me and then god you get that and you realize even it's such a cliche but if you help one person like that it is it makes every single bit of burnout like stress worth it because you change this person you saved this kid's life you really did like That's huge. And she went on and helped other people. Yeah, exactly. So she was sharing about like what she was doing and how like our program changed her life in the course. But she just, I just like somebody. She's like, I just wanted to thank you. And, and got her into awesome. social work, which means she'll go on to you help countless others. So I get really emotional. Like, mm-hmm. I know you're not though. Like, yeah. Know no. No. And uh, I have all like so it's funny because like some of the kids I get really close to because some of them are more than assemblies. Like 10 weeks and we grew very close and she really opened up and I was like 
or listening now, I'm like, girl, I know why you're mean. Like, right. I'd be mean too. Like, this is messed up. Like, what's going on? Like, right. You know, and just to feel like someone said that to her, she was like, oh, like, I just, I'm carrying all this. She was carrying all these monkeys on her back. And yeah. she just didn't, couldn't go. Anyway, so, long story short, so we worked together, and this is, I worked with her like three years ago or four years ago. She was ending middle school, and now she's school she's an A student it's amazing because a lot of other people probably encountered her or encounter kids like her and just kind of like write them off like nope I got my own problems or like there's this kid is just a bad seed I'm not going to bother they're just like they're they've got an attitude and like I don't know what to do about it meanwhile with some like real concentrated effort and just like a little bit of a attention and letting this girl know that she's worth it look at how she transformed her life like now this straight a student who's so like such a sweet little gem that she would even like go to the effort to like go and email you just to say like hey you changed my life like she didn't have to do that and and again I like using my own experience like I was mean to my friends which caused them to leave and had they not left like had I not had that like concentrated effort for my parents and mental health professionals and whoever like who believed in me I would never have like overcome and gone on to be as kind as I am a straight A student this and that and like people would have seen me then and thought oh she's not going to be anything like she she's going to be an F student like gossipy like whatever for the rest of her life and it's not true you can't condemn someone to that when they're in middle school or high school or at any point necessarily. At any point, it's, it's no one's judge. Like, you know, when people say like, that's a bad seed or right. oh, I had one parent tell me they really thought their child was evil. I was like, <gasps> I, just, like <laughs> I was like, no, I was like, no, I was like, I'm right. And I was like, you know what? I think you need to go deep down in yourself and figure out what's going on here in this moment and what help your child needs because they need love. Yeah. The more a child is mean, disruptive, the more they need love. And it's, if, it's, it's really silly, and for some reason we're like, no, he needs meds. No, no. This, oh, my God, I'm no. not talking about disabilities. I'm talking about when someone is hurting and they don't get love, they hurt more and they hurt other people, and we're just not seeing it. We're trying to fix it with Band-Aids, and I'm, it's not working. If this kid's mom, the person who is supposed to love you and think the world of you no matter what, even when you're, worst ver- you're your worst version of yourself, which we all are at some points, if, if that's the narrative that his mom is telling herself and then whether consciously or subconsciously programming into him as well, like of course he's going to, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy, of course he's going to act as this woman who is supposed to like love him through and through is this is how she's defined him so he's going to rise to that occasion it's really sad actually parents don't always realize how much power they have um they don't you know, and then they want to take responsibility for their power right oh my god the kids you, they imitate you yeah they, they want to be you and we don't understand like you know they actually like hanging out with us because yeah. they're like you know and we we we're like we don't have time we don't like you know even as myself as a as a parent, sometimes I come home at, like so especially if I'm working with kids all day or programs and we do a lot of corporate programs in the summer, so it's a lot of energy on me and I come home and the last thing I wanna do is be like, Hey, let's play a game or something. I know. But I've learned to 
be like, okay, so maybe I can't give my my full attention. But you know what? She can teach me about an iPad game because I can just really zone <laughs> on that screen. Right. It's all about you the know, baby steps. That, yeah. We can compromise. Yeah. And I think that we're not seeing the value of qualitative, like, quant, like not, not quantity, but qualitative time together. It's right. Like, hey, you don't have to spend 24 hours with your kid, but spend two hours where they feel like they're the most important person in the world. That will take you a lot further. Going on, like, off that point of quantity versus quality, do you know how much, how impactful a really genuine like 10 second hug for your kid would be versus just like sitting there mindlessly with them for like an hour or two and like you know being on your phone and this and that it just takes like just these small like small little genuine moments of love I think that like they can re- that really permeates them and like their subconscious and that they feel like I am loved it's like it doesn't even it doesn't take much I think people make the mistake of thinking me included that I do this with my friends all the time, actually. I will resist calling, like, one of my friends to catch up because I'm like, oh, fuck, I don't have, like, two hours to spend catching up with this friend. But really, if I were to just call and be like, hey, I'm so overextended, like, but I just want you to know I'm thinking about you. Like, we got two minutes on the clock (laughs) before I have to go do something else. But, like, I hope you know how much I love you and, like, you are genuinely such a light. And if I really just said something so true from my heart, that would land. And that's only two minutes of my time. And it's, it's the same. So funny it's the same with parents. I feel like that it takes the same amount of energy to be like, hey, I can't talk right now. Right. Then it does to be like, hey, I love you. Um, it also takes a lot of energy to feel the guilt that comes. Because yeah. I know personally, <laughs> like, yeah. I carry around so much guilt for like ghosting my friends while I'm in school and in work and whatever. And if I were to just take those two minutes per, like not per friend, but like if I were to like every now and then like schedule that like little bit of time, I wouldn't have to carry around that extra guilt that's weighing me down and exhausting me. And so it's like, it's same with parents with their kids. Yeah. 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 It's really true. And so parents, like I hope, so again, I know with me, I, I keep bringing up my my experience, but, like, if I didn't have my parents, like, who, oh, my God, like, they, like, who loved me through it, like, for, like, ferociously, like, loved me and took care of me, not in a coddling way, but just, I knew I was loved. If I, had, if I didn't know that, if I didn't have those, like, genuine hugs with my dad at the end of his work day or, like, those, like, you know, even if they were infrequent, like sometimes late night talks with my mom or just these little, little showings of love, I never could have made it through my experience ever, ever. And so parents need to know that like uh, more than anyone else, more than friends, like more than other family members, I think they have, they have the ability to make the biggest impact, even if like you know, kids are so enveloped in their school life. And like, I think parents sometimes feel like, oh, it's a teenager. They don't care. Like, you know, I'm just like in the background to them. I'm their chauffeur. But like, no, there's, there's so much more than they realize. It's Um, funny because I'm like thinking about all the things, of course, that I do wrong as a mom, but like also how impactful they can be. Because one of the things, and, and I'm joking when I say this, and this is like a real mom moment here, but like I've got 
got a one-year-old and a six-year-old, and my one-year-old is um, very trying. <laughs> um, he's delayed. He doesn't. Um, he's got a speech delay, and he's in all these different therapies right now. And um, it's a full-time job. Just I have like four or five appointments for him a week now, and of course it's summer, so my older son um, comes with me and. One of the things, like, when I get home, I make myself a cup of coffee, and I sit on the couch, and Nolan is like, mama, 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 and I used to do this thing where I'd be like, mom's not here right now, please leave a message. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually really cute. (laughs) I was like, that's hilarious, but then he started doing it back to me, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this kid listens to what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I wanted to hang out with him, and he's like, no, Nolan's not here right now, and I'm just like, oh. But you know, I want, I want, I want to spin that a bit for you because what you were doing is you're telling your child, "I just need a timeout right now." Yeah, and that's okay. Parents like, right. I can't take timeout. We call it timeout in my house. I'm like, it's not a bad thing. No, I tell my family, especially my husband. Like, I'm like, tag, you're it. I'm taking a timeout. I just, yeah. I just not. I just need to like, and I go zone. I go read, or I just take a nap and. And we use that timeout in our family. It's never bad. It's like, I need to step away from this situation because I'm not being the best version of myself. You know what? It's like you can't pour from an empty jug. And, like, if you don't go and refill yourself, like, you are actually being selfless, not just to yourself, but to your kids and your loved ones by going and saying, hey, tag, you're it, because you, you won't be the best mom, the best wife, the best friend that you possibly could be if you're... If you're giving, yeah, like you can't pour from an empty jug. If you're depleted of energy, um, then there's you can't love them the way they deserve. So it's like you kind of have to reframe it and look at it that way too. And like it sounds like you have a great. I, I, I mean, I actually love that. Yeah. Mom's at home right now. I think that's pretty funny. Oh, don't feel good. I would. I would. I was like, I should have thought of that. That's really good. <laughs> what the empty jug thing? I feel it. No, I think like that. Oh, the, I'm not home right now. I'm coming from an empty job. Like, wait, wait till I fill that cup and then I'll answer the call. And then we can play, you know, connect for whatever. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh. That's so great. Well, Jess, do you have any other questions? I feel like this has been such an amazing... This has been fantastic. Yeah. Um, I want to make sure we get, like, your social media handles yeah. and your Instagram. Just so Absolutely. Just so to follow you. Um, they have that opportunity to connect with you guys. Oh, perfect. So, yeah. So, um, with that thing, so I actually took a timeout from social media for the awesome. summer. Awesome. Good um, for you. On, yeah, best thing ever. I'm on summer break from social media, <laughs> which has been very, very difficult. Um, and it's, 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 a, it's really being diligent on it. So I haven't checked social media in probably almost a month now and until... For three more weeks. But however, my company is in full force. I don't even know what's going on there. I just know they're posting. Um, so our handles for Bulldog Solution um, on Instagram is at Bulldog Solution, singular. Um, Twitter is at No Bully Bulldog. And Facebook is at Bulldog Solution Team. I just type in Bulldog Solution, singular, and we pop up and we post tons of stuff. Amazing. Um, I will be back online mid-August because that's when we start assemblies and everything. And um, but uh, so then you can. I'm at court. My full name 
like at Courtney Pegram. Um, that's all my handles. So it's super simple. I'm actually really happy you said that about taking the social media break because it's one of the most cathartic things you can do. And even you, this really successful business owner and doctor, at, like I love that you are like exemplifying that it's perfectly okay and actually productive to rest. Because again, going back to that empty jug thing, you cannot give of yourself in these assemblies. You can't really help if you don't take that time too. And again, with my situation that happened in high school, honestly, one of the things that saved me was the fact well, for it, what I didn't have as much social media back then, but the social media, quote unquote, I did have like AIM and all of that and MySpace. Yeah, I completely bowed out. And at first it was really hard because that was so much of my life. Just like you were just saying, it's really hard to cut Instagram out and whatever. But had I not done that and really kind of like hermitized myself or whatever you want to call it, like, had I not done that for a little bit and really, like, gotten to know myself and heal and, God, I never, that's another thing. I don't think I could have made it through if I was constantly on there and, like, seeing the constant posts or feeling like I was missing out and it's not even real oftentimes. So I'm really happy that you you said that because if you can do it and you run this, like, big successful uh corporation I don't know what you call organization uh then and I mean and you're a mom and I mean there's so much that you do and that you're successful at and even you you take those breaks so it's it's productive it's hard I love Instagram you know I want to know what Reese Witherspoon is doing you know my my BFF Amy Schumer and like all the people I follow all my social influencers and I want to know the new way and what's the cool makeup to wear but I find myself that I needed to break because I wasn't using it with intent right and I wasn't for the right impact I was getting like dragged down I was scrolling with no really direction and it's a time waster and so that's why I took the break so it is hard I can't wait to get back <laughs> um, but it's good I'll to reset good to reset realign and get your intentions like for social media back in order and then like just take those little breaks every now and then when you need them so yeah. but right. so, so I'm healthy not, I'm not a well what we miss you on social media but i think that it's awesome what you're doing and just it's inspirational and yeah it's you're a good role model for doing that I wish that more kids would do that. I am so excited about your podcast and all the amazing wisdom and energy and beauty you're going to bring to this space. And I will promote, talk about you, and do everything I can because you're just both two incredible, loving people that's just trying to do good and bring, bring awareness and also joy back to people. So I think this so powerful. So I am honored to be part oh. of your podcast. Oh, thank you so much. This has been amazing. We can't thank you enough and we feel the same way about you guys and we'd love to I mean, I'm I live in New York, Jess lives in for right now Missouri, but if you ever want to collaborate on anything in the future or do something, I would if you're ever in this area or anything, I'd love to go and check out one of your assemblies, something. It would be oh, such an honor. I would love that. So yeah. All right. Then I'm really, thank you so much. And 
I'll let you get back to your night, your Friday night. Perfect. Friday night, yay! You have a great night, both of you. You too. Thank you. Bye. Take care. Okay, bye.